But my title this morning is, My Motives Are Messed Up. I mean, we're just, we're just going to be all out there today, all right? Um, your pastor hasn't preached in six weeks, and so I felt like I should be really honest with you. But my motives are messed up. I don't know if you're that willing to be uh, that honest with yourself. Um, uh, you know, it, it's not, it's not an encouraging journey to dive that far under the surface of yourself to realise that, well, you're still a work in progress. I'm still a work in progress. Watching online, you're still a work in progress, which means we have to acknowledge that some part of our, that our motives are still messed up. Yeah, I can see you're all super stoked about where we're heading today. Uh, if, you, if you would like, you can pull out your phone, you can pull up YouTube. Pastor Simo's message is on there from last week. That's way more encouraging. You can watch that while I preach and then it's going to be fine, all right? So... Um, that was an amazing, amazing, actually amazing Sunday as a whole last week. If you weren't able to be here, uh, I'm just, I'll be honest, you missed a great, great morning in church. It was phenomenal. And Pastor Simo preached an incredible word. Um, and I, I, I want to remind you, all of our messages are on YouTube. And uh, if you want to be reminded that Christmas at Home is coming up, subscribe to our YouTube and then you'll be told the moment it's available for you to watch, I know I'm just like totally tech selling the thing here, but be engaged in that space in our church life. Get on there. There's some great stuff for you to watch, but Pastor Simo's message in particular, go for it. Uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going with Proverbs 16, verse 9. Proverbs 16, verse 9 says, We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. There is, there is such a tension in that scripture right? I'm going to set the scene for my whole message right now. We can make our plans, but it's always big buts in Scripture. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines, or other translations say establishes our steps. So who knows, who knows who the strategists in the room, right? Who knows there's a huge difference between a plan and the end product? Where are my business owners? Who knows there's a big difference between an idea and a plan and a profitable business that's functioning in life? Over here, there's a, this, is the, this is the land of dreams, over here is the land of hard work. And the Lord says, we can plan, be encouraged, go for it, dream. In fact, Scripture says, have visions, have dreams. Go, amazing. I actually think the Lord loves when we plan. Plan. But the Lord is the one who establishes the steps. Now you can all go home. That's my entire message right there. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> Pastor Simo told a really funny story last week, so I felt a whole lot of pressure to tell a funny story. Um, but I did think of something that I thought tied in really nicely, and it was probably one of the, the first fight that Rachel and I ever had uh, as a married couple. Okay? See, I knew you guys would like this one. And, um, you know, a big, big welcome back to Kale and Belle. Uh, back from their honeymoon. But our fight was on our honeymoon. Anyone else have a fight on their honeymoon? 
Wow, there's a few honest people in the room. Fantastic. It's okay. I'll do altar call for honesty at the end. And uh, it's going to be one of the most populated altars all year. It's going to be great. But, but I don't know about you, but in the, in, the, in the process of planning your wedding, there becomes a point where you begin to plan your honeymoon. And the focus, like the wedding day is it's almost there and you're very excited, but then you realize, but then I get to go on holidays with the person I love. And so there's a, well, there was for me, and maybe for the husbands in the room, not to be incredibly stereotypical, but there was a point at which I shifted my focus from planning what the day would look like to planning what the night and beyond into the holiday would look like, okay? And, and Scripture says, I can make those plans, all right? Oh, this could get very bad very quick. That's what happens when I don't preach for six weeks, all right, guys? Um, but I, 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 I took a lot of uh, joy in planning the honeymoon. And we, we planned to, to fly over. We planned for our honeymoon. It was going to be in Thailand. It was beautiful. Uh, and and we flew, the plan was to fly over uh, to Bangkok. But we wanted to spend the majority of our honeymoon at a little place called Phi Island. You can't get there in one go. Okay, so we had, we had to make a decision between either flying to, to Bangkok, staying overnight, getting a, a, a next day flight down to, to Phuket and then a boat, or, or kind of trying to fly into Phuket and then not be able to, it, 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 in my mind, the second option was not as good. So I'm like, well, we're just going to go with the first option because strategically it seems to work better. We can get a hotel the, night, the, the first night we're there. That's going to be great. Um, that's a whole other story. But... Needless to say, I, I made this plan. We booked it in with the travel agent. We had everything sorted. The travel agent was like, look, it's shoulder season. I'm like, great, because, you know, that's half the price, uh, which is fantastic. So we booked in all of these things, and I thought this was going to be seamless. I thought we're going to go from, from wedding night accommodation. We're going to drive to Sydney. It's going to be like just a romantic in the car, great soundtrack playing. Who knows, that plays a huge part, all right? Um, <laughs> Nate's 90s rock playlist, is, doesn't, that doesn't work. Um, get to the airport, we're going to get on a plane, we're going to fly over, it's going to be amazing, we're just going to go seamlessly through customs into our hotel, and then we're going to head to Phi Island, and it is going to be the greatest holiday of my life. Now, most of that went really well. Most of that went to plan. It was great. Right up until uh, we, we flew into Phuket and got the taxi to the ferry terminal, I was winning at life, okay? Every detail of my plan had come to pass in the most perfect way. It was fantastic. We arrived at the, the ferry terminal, which could better be classified as a ghost town, to, to realise that shoulder season meant a whole lot more than just half the price, Shoulder season meant nobody else existed on the face of the planet at the ferry terminal. So, so where the travel agent had talked about, oh, there's, there's cafes open, there's stalls open, you can get food. No, there was nothing. There, was, there wasn't even another person. I mean, tumbleweeds were flowing through the place. So I was like, are we even, and the taxi's gone. And we just, I'm like, I, we had four and a half hours of sitting at a, at a vacant ferry terminal, no technology, which I know for my youth, like that's going to be the mind-blowing statement of the entire message. No technology, nothing to do except sit and wait for four and a half hours. And then I'm pretty sure the ferry was late. 
So I actually, I have a photo of my, my wife in the middle of this argument about whether or not we planned the right path to get to the honeymoon, about why, why at three hours in was my wife still waiting to get to the island to, you know. So anyway, that, that, that photo I'll show you one day. It won't be this morning. <laughs> needless to say, needless to say, uh, Rach was somewhat frustrated uh, with the situation. Um, and I was not yet uh, skilled as a husband in, in how to navigate my wife's frustrations. <laughs> Hence our, our first married argument. But don't we get frustrated when our plans don't go to plan? Like, like we get so frustrated when our plans don't go to plan because we have this preconceived idea in our minds that our plans are the best plans. And so, of course, my plan should work. Well, and, and, well, God, you, well, you should facilitate my plan because my plan is the best plan. Why are you not doing my plan? And then, and then when our plan doesn't go to plan, we get frustrated. And actually, the more we're expecting or the more we desire our plan to go to plan, when it doesn't, the more frustrated we get. There is like a scale of gap to the size of frustration. The more you are expecting, counting on, believing, planning for, the more you want that, the more frustrated you get when it doesn't happen. Because often our plans, if we're honest, are centered around getting what I want. And for most of us, our motives are messed up. We like to think that we are pure. We like to think that we are finished on the journey of transformation and therefore every plan I make is void of any sense of selfish ambition or selfish gain in any way. Oh, there's no greed in there. I'm not planning that to get. Oh, I'm, I'm a believer. Yeah, you might well be. And your spirit has been transformed and renewed. But can I tell you that your soul is still on a journey? Can we, can we look at Proverbs 16.9, our series scripture in the New International Version? I know that's an upgrade for me. But it says, in their hearts, humans plan their course. But the Lord establishes their steps. So, so we just remind ourselves, let's, let's go all the way back to when I preached that message. I don't even know if it was this year or last year, where we, where we realized that we're made in the image of God with three parts, body, soul, spirit. Our spirit is alive. We have received the breath of Jesus. It's salvation. It's incredible. It's, it's death to life inside of us. It's amazing. But our soul, which consists of our heart and our mind, is only as transformed as you have allowed Christ to go to work in your life. So you can have been, oh, you can have been a believer for 40 years and still have really messed up motives because you haven't actually allowed God to do anything in your life. So your spirit will still be alive, but your plans, you better believe, are not taking you in the right direction. In fact, Scripture says that 
To us, some plans seem good, but they end in destruction. The problem is that because we have messed up motives, what seems good to us is actually unaligned with what is good to God. So there is a big difference between what seems good to a messed up soul and what is good to an all pure God. And so we make our plans from a place that's not actually totally pure and then wonder why when we commit our lives to God, He wants to take us this way in our steps, but we're like, no, my plan takes me this way. And He's like, yeah, but you need to know that that seems good to you, but it doesn't end well. And the question of whether you will arrive at a place of, of goodness in the eyes of, of God and profitability in the position of the kingdom of heaven will be completely determined on what of your plan you are willing to lay down to his redirection. Because as Pastor Simo said last week, there's a great quote from Louis Giglio, and that is that if you are insistent enough, God will allow you to go with your plan. He will be there in the midst of your mess at the end, and you want to know what? God will never say, I told you so. He's not, that, he's not like that. He will be there to pick you up. He will be there to restore and renew. But he will allow you to go if you insist in the direction that you want. Yeah, our plans always centered around what we get. That's our humanness. It's our untransformed nature. We plan to get. And the issue with that is that the kingdom of heaven's plans are all about to give. We are about get. We are the essence of sin is selfishness. And whatever that translates like, it is an ever-present reality in the untransformed spaces of our lives. And therefore, we are always wrestling with the reality that an element of our plans will be infused with the untransformed motives of my mind that are about me getting what I want. But over here, the plans of the Lord are centered and built on this idea of giving. You cannot separate sacrifice from the kingdom of heaven. It is a foundation to the kingdom. We see this in the fact that God gave his one and only son, the greatest plan in human history, the one that was instituted before the foundations of the very earth was instituted, fully built on the idea of sacrifice. And we don't have to look too far in our lives to realize that every time we're asked to sacrifice, something in us rears up and we don't want to do it. Whether it's, whether it's time, whether it's money, whether it's material possessions. Like, the, like we could make a huge, long, that's like, we don't want to have a little negative moment here, but we can make a big long list of the stuff that we want to get and we don't want to give. And I think about Mary and Joseph. Better make it a Christmas message. You know, I think about, I think about, being newly married, I think about all the dreams that we had. I think about all the plans that we had. I think about Mary and Joseph, and I'm like, you know what? This is not what they wanted. There's no way Mary wanted <laughs> what she got. There's no way Joseph wanted 
that situation. I'm sure their plans consisted of, we're going we're gonna to go, I mean, we're betrothed, we're going to have an amazing like, little season of engagement, it's going to be fantastic, we're going to get married, it's going to be beautiful. Joseph, you're going to get a stable job, carpentry. Like, I mean, Pastor Simo talked about it last week, right? Like, I am sure that Mary and Joseph made their plans. And then down comes Gabriel. Right? Down comes the cosmic plan adjustment angel of the Lord. Right? <laughs> you, you cannot tell me the Bible is not funny, okay? If, if you find the Bible boring, you're reading it wrong, right? Because you have Mary, right? An engaged woman, right? Who knows every engaged woman has plans? And they've had plans for the last 20 something years. As pre-birth of what their wedding is going to look like. They have plans, let me tell you. And down comes Gabriel, and he's like, hey, Mary, you're blessed. I know, I've got this, no, 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 you're blessed because I'm about to ruin your plan. I'm about to come in and completely turn your plan upside down. And I'm like, Mary's like, no, 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 you've got it, you've got it wrong, Gabriel. I'm blessed because I've got Joseph, and isn't he fine? And we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. And, 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 and Gabriel's, no, that's, that's not what's going to happen. That's not what's going to happen. You're blessed because God's chosen you to walk a different plan. So Mary, are you willing to give up? Are you, all the stuff that you had planned to get, are you willing to give that up? It's not, it's not just the plans she made with Joseph that she's giving up. She's given up like social status. Like she would have become an outcast, like a teen pregnancy out of marriage. Like that's, that's wild what she, would have been, had to, what she would have had to have given up in that journey. Like, you know, no, no, like you're trying to explain yourself to someone? Yeah, it was God. Like, that's, that's not going to translate. That's not going to be a reason that someone's going to be like, oh, okay, well, in that case, I totally understand the situation you're in. Like, she's, she is giving up all of her status. She is giving up all of her, all of her friendship circle. She's giving up all of, like, so much of her life, not just the plans she might have had with Joseph, maybe for the wedding day. No, she is giving up every way in which she formed and, prepared and thought about her entire life moving forward, the structures she had created in that moment where Gabriel says, you're blessed, and we all go, I don't know that you are that blessed because life is about to get incredibly messy, difficult, and have a whole lot of sacrifice attached to it. And God looks down and goes, that's why you're blessed, because that's the plan of the kingdom of heaven. And let's, I mean, let's not talk about Joseph. I mean, I mean, when it comes to guys and the plans they have, no, I won't, we won't go there this morning. We got Victory Youth in, and you know, that could be... Most of our plans come from messed up motives. Most of our plans, whether explicitly or just laced inside of those plans, is selfish gain. And what follows closely on the back of selfish gain is control. Because when we make our plans, our plan is our way to control that we get the outcome. 
So, so when we make our plans, we, we might be like, well, I'm pretty free of selfishness. Yeah, but you're full of control. Because, you're, <laughs> because your plan is your way to ensure you get what you want. It's very quiet in here this morning. I'll be honest. And this is, this is, this is the other like dichotomic, di- is that a word? Dichotomic difference between the way we plan and God's plans. And that is that we want to control how everything happens because, because we want to ensure that we get what we want. And well, I want this at this time in my life and therefore I'm going to plan for it and I'm going to control every element to ensure that I get what I want when I want because that's my plan. And God says, here's the thing about control. I have control because I'm God and you're not. And so what I want from you is trust. So trust that I'm good and know what you need. Trust that I'm good and know what you Trust that I'm a father that loves you enough to make sure that along the way you are gonna get blessed over and abundantly more than you could ever dream or imagine. You just have to let go of wanting to control how and when and why and hand over control to me and trust because I'm gonna show you one step to take and if you'll take that step, I'll show you another step to take. If you take that step, you might find that you arrive at the things that you want or maybe you will arrive at a place of transformation where you no longer want what you thought you wanted. And if you had gone after what you wanted, you would have ended up in a place of destruction in your life that God would have had to have restored you from. But if you will just let go of control and learn to trust, you might find that you end up going from glory to glory and strength to strength. And some of the promises that are in Scripture that you're trying to control to to, to work out in your life, you might just find, oh, I'm really yelling, that they come to pass from the hand of the Father who made them because you have trusted Him to bring them about when you're ready and you can handle them. The problem is we want stuff so bad over here that when we don't get it and He's saying we should be over there, that gap is so big that that's where we get frustrated at God. That's where we get offended at God. And that's where you look at God and you're like, well, you didn't give me what I want. And we start treating God not like God, but like a genie. God's not a genie. God's not Santa Claus. Like I know this is our Christmas series right now. So I'm going to bring a little bit of that in. But God's not Santa Claus. We don't get to write our wish list. We don't write a letter to Santa. God wrote a letter to us. We don't get to to lay it all out and well, I want this under my tree when I'm 19 and I want this under my tree when I'm 21 and I want this to come in the stocking when I'm 25. You know, like we don't get to do that. And then get frustrated when it doesn't happen because we're not in control. I don't know if you missed uh, like, like the subtext to salvation, but it wasn't just that you got new life. It was that it's no longer you who lives. It's Christ who lives in you, okay? It's no longer your life. It's that your life has been laid down so that he might live in you and work through you. And here we are still holding on to my list for life. And we're frustrated at our God because he's not giving us what we want. He's like, oh, I love you, but that's not how it works. How it works is I'm inviting you into a life of sacrifice as seen by Jesus who gave up everything of heaven. He gave up all of it. I mean, just think about the fact that Jesus in heaven wasn't even contained to a body. And yet he gave up that. We don't even understand what that would have been like 
and yet he sacrificed the entire of his existence in heaven to be contained to a body and a time frame. I mean, he existed outside of time and space completely. He is the eternal God. And he said, you know what? I will, be, I will give up that for containment in a broken vessel, squashed into time and space for the sake of humanity. I mean, there is not an essence of the life that Jesus lived that is not built on a willingness to sacrifice absolutely everything. And that is the life that we have asked God to transform us into. When we say yes to following Jesus, and I mean... Pastor Phil talked about this. He talked about the moment we go from seeing Jesus as our Savior. You saved me from my messed up life. I get eternal life. That is amazing. I mean, that is a mind-blowing moment in your life. But really shortly after that, we're actually invited to take a step where we realize that Jesus is Lord. And from that moment on, it's about Him changing us to be like Him. And a massive part of that is dealing with our messed up motives that drive everything to our get and and trying to align them to a reality that is give, sacrifice. You see, Mary and Joseph, I mean, they were asked to give up so much, so much. Almost every plan that they had for their future, they were asked to give it up. And you know what they got? They got Jesus. That was was the, the end. I mean, it was the beginning as well, but... Like, like when Gabriel came down and completely disrupted their entire uh, precious little plans. He's like, I want you to give up all of these things. This is what it's going to mean. You're going to give up all of these things. But you know what you get? You actually get Jesus. Not like we get, but you get Jesus. You get the whole Jesus. You get to be the one of the parents who raise the Son of God in human form. You get Jesus. And over here, they're like, well, one day we're gonna have a child. And he's like, I need you to give that up because if you come over here, you're not just gonna get a child. You're gonna get the Son of God in your hands. And we think over here is the best plan, but God's plan over here is exceedingly abundantly above all that we could dream or imagine. They got Jesus. That blows my mind. So, so you know, there's a... Let's just find the right page in my Bible. Here we go. There's a... There's a issue. Couldn't think of the word I wanted to use. With this message... Okay, and the, the issue with this message is that if you've read enough Scripture, you know that nowhere in Scripture does it actually explicitly tell us not to plan. You can walk away from this message and be like, wow, okay, yes, yes, all right. In, in, in the quiet of my secret place, I am willing, I'm not going to do it in front of a lot of people, but I am willing to admit that my plans come from messy motives, all right? 
So, so the concern is that you will leave this message and be like, well, then I better not plan anything. And I, I need to tell you that that's not scriptural. There is a tension in scripture that we have to be able to hold. This, all the way through scripture, there's tensions, okay? Um, Proverbs 16, one to three, it, it says this. It says, we can make our plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. And I'm gonna, just add, I'm gonna add in a few words here, if that's all right. Because people may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. So these proverbs are not standalone statements. These proverbs are, are a description of what it looks like to, to be self-aware enough to understand I'm still under construction and yet be engaged in planning for what I believe is gonna be the best thing for my life. However, it's, it's clear, right? So we can make our plans, but we're supposed to do it in conversation with God. Why? Because God gives the right answer. I'm probably gonna get the wrong answer, but God gives the right answer. Why? Well, I'm going to get it wrong because I'm pure in my own eyes, but it's, it's God who knows my motives. So if I plan, it's fine, except I have to do it in relationship with God so that the plans are adjusted by the one who really knows my motives. And then once I've done all that, once I've kind of come up with the best plan I can in conversation with Jesus, it says this, commit your plans to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Which if we don't understand that there's a process in play there, we'll just take Proverbs 16.3, cherry pick that and go, God, I made this plan. Ah, now, see, I'm committing it to you. You make it happen. No, that's genie Jesus. That's not how it works. All right, if you start cherry picking Scripture, you will create for yourselves a misunderstood picture of who God is. Okay, you can make your plans, but you need to know your plans have messed up motives. So plan in conjunction with Jesus. And then even when you've done that, lay it down. Lay it down. James warns us a little bit of this in James 4, 13 to 17. You know, interestingly enough, this was a, this was a scripture that was given to Rachel and I as a prophetic word just before uh, we went over to London for a year. Um, and it was one of those prophetic words. It was like, oh, that's not as encouraging as you're going to be a voice to thousands. You know, like this, is, this was one of those ones that really I had to sit with. And I sat with it all year because it became a really clearly guiding adjustment to the plans that I had, which was plans to go, you know, to this and that. And then I was going to become famous and I was going to get my name in lights. And now I wouldn't have said that, but that was the motive. That was the motive underneath. The motive was popularity, notoriety, and fame. They were the, they were, they were the things that were underneath my plans. I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have been able to tell you that. I didn't know myself well enough to know that they were the things that were under the surface that were yet to be transformed. But someone gave us this scripture. It says, look here, you who say, today or tomorrow, we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year and we'll do business there and we'll make a profit. How do you know what your life will look like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious, oh man, Scripture doesn't hold back, right? Your own pretentious plans and all such 
boasting is evil. Merry Christmas, everybody. Such a, <laughs> such a life-giving message, uh, like a week out of carols, you know. Um, but this is, a, this is, ah, we cannot just cherry pick Proverbs 16.3 and say, well, I'm going to make my plans for next year and well, God, you better make them happen. We have to realise that we can plan. And I would say you should plan. Because Scripture says that without vision, people perish. If you, don't have a, if you don't have a dream, if you're not making a plan, you're going to stagnate. You're not going to go anywhere in life. And stagnant water starts to sour. Okay, it starts to grow weird bugs. Okay, don't, don't let your life get stagnant. All right? Have a dream. Have a vision. Make a plan. Okay? But it's really clear what we do with that plan. We take that plan and we say, hey, God, I got this plan. I think it's a great plan, but I also know that I'm pure only in my own eyes. You know I'm not totally pure yet. You know that I'm a work in progress, God. You know that some of this, some of this has those things in it that aren't transformed yet. And I'm going to trust you that if I give you this plan, you're gonna help me work it out in a way that is best for your kingdom and for me, I trust you enough that if I give you my plan, it's going to end up the best. That's what James says. Don't just make a plan and start sprouting off like you're going to do this and I'm going to do this. And well, I'm going to go and do that because it's, going, you know, blah, blah, blah. it's like, hang on, whoa, whoa. What we would be better to say is I've got a plan. But if God's not in it, then I'm not walking it out. What would be better to say is, I've made a plan, but God, I'm laying it down so you can direct my steps. The last thing I want is a church that never plans. The last thing I want is a church that doesn't dream. The last thing I want is a church that's so scared of making wrong plans, we make no plans. No, 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 make plans. Scripture's clear. We can make plans. We should make plans. Dream, have, like, go for it. But please make a plan and lay it down. Make a plan and lay it down. Strategize, think, dream. Dream as a family. Make a family plan for 2024. Is that next year? Yeah, 2024. Make a family plan. Make a marriage plan. Young people, make a plan for your school. Make a plan for your, your first job. Make a plan. Please, young people, make a plan. And then, but, but just lay it down. Don't try to control the outcome. Don't try to control every, every component of it. As soon as you start to control, you have stopped trusting. They are diametric opposites. You cannot control and trust at the same time. Because one causes you to grab and the other causes you to release.